silly woman. But to turn me Oh, shit. Hello. Hello. Dropping bombs. Well, that's at least that's what they say. Starting off with a little bit of bomb dropping. We've got a great guest coming on tonight. It, this is a man we are going to be speaking with tonight that I have not spoken to in a, in a long, long time. A long time. He's one of the few people who actually came into the first studio as a guest broadcaster. He was a part of the network, and as he was driving through New York, he stopped in, and he uh, he did a show. It was always science-based. We got the alien scientist with us tonight. His name is Jeremy Reese, and it's going to be really, really great to have him back on. And we're going to talk a little bit about Neuralink and AI, but, but mostly I want to really jump into UFOs with him. From the standpoint of... There are a lot of UFO disinformation agents out there for UFO Incorporated and that the greater scientific uh, conversations about what is actually powering these physics-defying escapades in the sky, uh, all those things are going to the wayside. So I would love to talk to him about that tonight because that comes on the heels of a couple of of trending... Pieces on on, I mean you'll see it, you'll see why I call it muscular UFOs in the second half of the show because we're going to be keeping on him on with us uh, into the second half because we can't start on that just right away. I know I've been bringing the the guest on up front, just want to get started, but I can't ignore the Tucker Carlson thing because by this time tomorrow night, we may already have the interview of that he conducted with Vladimir Putin or as uh, as. Uh, as the American media likes to call him, Adolf Putin. Adolf Hitler, bad guy Putin. The worst of the worst. Can't get any worse <laughs> this week, anyway. So we got to talk a little bit about that up front, and then I'll set the table for uh, for Jeremy, because that's going to be great. Good times. A uh, little bit of a Studio A update. I am literally 40 minutes of work away from being ready to go. I got to I got to program the rest of my stream deck. I've got a couple of pieces of, you know, just decorative pieces that are coming in. I'm swapping out some lava lamps for some plasma lamps, things like I'm just changing things up. I have taken this as an opportunity. First it was a curse, and now it's just a blessing. Okay? And I'm really relishing the meticulous nature of sweeping through every corner of the uh of the uh, the studio and making sure that it is solid and well lit. We did camera test last night. I had my buddy Derek, who plays bass in my band. He was in studio physically last night. Jim Lee was on the uh, on this on the telephone with us. He was connected remotely to the to the computers, and we're just it was just nice. I called in all of I called in all the banners. All the bannermen showed up, and we had a nice, big, amazing. Amazing time. And we're getting closer. So after I do all that stuff I told you, then I need to do maybe about a 15 to 20 minute test stream, which will be private because I don't want you guys seeing it in any other light except at 7 p.m. when everything is glowing. It's nothing more unimpressive than doing a show in broad daylight 
with the daylight coming through the window, no matter if you have blinds down or not. I'm gonna have to get some, you know, uh, I'm gonna have to get some 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 light blocking um, curtains in there. That's what these are. That's what these bad boys are. It's also a toga. Yes, welcome. Sit, please. Have a seat. Sit today, please. Anyway, that's what I have. I'm getting I'm getting excited. I hope you are too. But in the meantime, I think I might finish out the week here at home uh, just because I don't know any time that I'll be able to get over there and do all that until Saturday. So welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. The, the, if you want to send in a super chat, to contribute to the show in any way, that's quite frankly superchat.com. There's also the Rumble Rants, there is the uh, the tips on Rockfin, and there's also the gold pills on Foxhole, pill.net, quite frankly.tv. All right, so it's February 7th. We got Jeremy Reese that's on the show tonight, the alien scientist. All of his links are in the description. Thank you to bluemonsterprep.com for being a rock for this audience and for me. Go out and get it, ladies and gentlemen, because the year is just getting started. And even though it might seem weird, it hasn't gotten crazy yet. Gas masks, heirloom seeds, two-way radios, solar power generators, whatever you need, quite frankly, .tv has it listed on the affiliates page. Blue Monster Prep, go there. We also got the Elevation Blend Coffee, which, oh, take a look at this. This is coming your way soon, ladies and gentlemen. This mug is incredible. It's got some weight to it. It's actually so heavy, I think Lauren will probably not use it as much as I thought she would. It, it'll tire her out. But it's, uh, it, it is an amazing mug. And I can't wait to tell you more about that, but we're not there yet. But at least I have one, so I can start showing it off. So there's that, and, uh, and have at it, ladies and gents. So that's what we have. All right, let's get into the grab bag. First one up is from Just the News. Now, this is a little bit of the comedy end of our program tonight. Nikki Haley loses to none of these candidates in the Nevada GOP primary without Trump. Uh, none of these candidates, that is an actual listing on the ballot, none of these candidates, that's almost like D, all of the above or none of the above, um, emerged as a clear winner in the Nevada Republican primary, marking a humiliating defeat for former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley in a contest that did not include former President Donald Trump on the ballot. The Associated Press called the race for, the, for none of these candidates, whoever they are. They're very popular in Nevada, <laughs> which earned 61.2% of the vote as of press time. Haley trailed with 324 there's just not enough Democrats out there, regardless of what the hell happens during the the uh, the election. At least there's not enough Democrats who are willing to go out there and change their party affiliation for a night like you had in New Hampshire. So um, sorry, Nikki, but no one likes you. You suck. Get the hell out of here. Go home. You suck. You suck. All right. Got that out of my system. Now let's go over to Zero Hedge to cover uh, one of the big trending topics of the last 24 hours. Tucker Carlson explains why he's going to be interviewing Putin. Most Americans are not informed. We're here because we love the U.S. As the left freaks out, it's not just the left, it's the neocons and the neoliberals together, the uh, two halves of the same rusty, shitty coin that makes up the American bureaucracy that we cannot escape. As the left freaks out about Tucker Carlson's upcoming interview of Russian President Vladimir Putin, the former Fox News host who can now be found at TuckerCarlson.com 
has published a pre-interview explainer over why he's interviewing Putin, which boils down to an uncurious Western media, which has resulted in grossly uninformed public. He said, here's why we're doing it. Most Americans are not informed. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster, but the long-term effects are even more profound. Um, Carlson notes that Ukraine was, was, um, was, has utterly reshaped global military and trade alliances and upended the world economy. He also hits on the dire state of post-World War II Bretton Woods economic order, which is coming apart, that coming apart very fast. That's the dominance of the U.S. dollar and the failures of the corporate media. Carlson says he's doing the interview because we love the United States and we want it to remain prosperous and free. There's a lot of freaking out, though. A lot of freaking out, though. It's uh, it, It's been great. It's been really, really fun fun to watch because because ultimately it's good television what does it all mean how far are you going to let it drag you down one one road or another i don't know but the salt was really really flowing hard from the russia hoaxers out there the crossfire hurricane crowd it has been incredible as incredible as it is predictable Many are like, uh, uh, we try to interview Putin. We just don't get approved for an interview, which, of course, you don't. And Applebaum, your brand of journalism is equivalent to cancer, a brain-eating disease. And Applebaum and company, I wouldn't give you the time of day either. So, I mean, I mean, you had NBC just a couple of weeks ago edited out C.J. Stroud, the uh, quarterback from the Houston Texans, NBC a few weeks earlier edited out CJ Stroud's thanking Jesus after a football game. What on earth would these freaks do to a Putin interview? Come on. You go with oil. We always try to get interviews. You know, you're you're you are a freak. You're a creature. Get the hell out of here. Go home. With Nikki Haley, take her with you. Get the hell out. Just get the get out. And um and you know the issue is the issue is here that if you if you read these transcripts, if you because you can go out there, you can read whatever, you can read all the stuff. They say, well, oh, what do you mean he's not, uh, you know, covered around the world? We always cover Putin. No, you don't. You just you, the diatribe about one thing or another that you want people to believe. Uh, if you do put something out there, you take a clip and you you spin 10,000 articles about why you should see this as nothing but an, aff- an affront to western liberal values and all this other shit but if you really go out there and I you have to go out and you have to read these transcripts whenever he has a major speech um you have to go digging for them but they're very they're impressive you could say well it's propaganda perhaps a lot of it i mean i mean you, I, we did a show on propaganda as well there's just propaganda that is valuable to a state and there's propaganda that destroys a state and uh and destroys a a state's identity and a culture's identity and all that stuff propaganda is one of those things where like a gun it is neither good or bad it's an indifferent tool and there is something else that um but you know there's something else that needs to be heard by many more people out there that is um i I mean, I don't know how many times we've said it over here, but Vladimir Putin's composure is the only thing that has prevented thermonuclear war as of right now. That's that's easy to see, no doubt about it. And on the other hand of that, you have this. Medvedev again warns Russia has no choice but to unleash nuclear apocalypse if attacked by NATO. 
which is exactly what we kept we keep getting inched toward every time that uh that that strange alien creature stretched face joe biden with a stretched skin across his skull everything just looks stretched back um that's what that's what they're inching us toward nato this nato that and whatever well he's not saying anything crazy here he's just saying he's not saying anything crazy at all it's a very logical statement here about what they're going to leave us with you know going into the future and it's it's a it's severe it's frightening it's catastrophic it's not something i would want to live through but it's logical but you want to know what's even crazier than the thought of nuclear deployment the craziest thing is that the fact that the psychos who run nato and the so-called west they know this and they probably find that that end the thermonuclear war end that end game is preferable than people having legitimate elections, secure borders, sound money, and schools that aren't run by strippers. Okay? They would prefer everybody gets flushed with them than have just they slowly get flushed out by people who will eventually say enough is enough. And uh, when they say enough is enough, that does not mean that they're going to vote harder. All right, we're just talking about human realities here. Hate to be that way. That's how severe things are getting, but uh, that's just the reality of things. And there are far more prouder cultures out there that have not been torn apart like we have over here in the United States, who despite the culture inside of their home government, uh, will be able to pull together some kind of spirit and, uh, and, and fight for their survival. They will. And we'll be able to do that in small pockets in the United States as well. If and when that day comes, may not even be this lifetime, but you just never know. Just never know. As long as there's a Super Bowl halftime show, uh, I think that um, we'll be firmly in our seats with our seatbelts on. All right. That's what I have for you right now. We're going to kick this one off, and I'm going to read a little bit into the, well, I mean, I'll tell you, the the, the Vision Pro, the Apple Vision Pro. I had a friend of mine that that texted me he had uh he put a pair of them on he went to go to see a, a live demo we're gonna start with that lead into Neuralink. bring on jeremy reese and i cannot wait to introduce him to you all so don't go anywhere we will be right back good morning sleepyhead my metaverse queen no 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 don't cry don't cry no when you cry it hurts me your body has already been dissolved in acid so you don't have that however I uploaded your consciousness into the metaverse, so here we can play forever. Don't, don't try running. You don't have legs here. Nobody does. I'll make us breakfast. Yay. How about I lay us an egg, and then we can boil it together. Yum. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's run! 
Okay. White stairs in moonlight. Oh. Welcome. It's a Wednesday night. It's already Wednesday. How does this happen? Well, it's also a little bit weirder because there was no Tuesday night show, so it kind of felt like a night. It, those nights are odd for me, but um, but still, the week is going by in a flash, as it always does, and I hope that you're enjoying yourself today, and now here we are, wrapped in each other's loving embrace once again at 7 o'clock, 7.15. But our guest is going to be showing up in about five minutes or so, so with David Gilmore on hand... We jump into the first article that I have for you on, um, where is it, the Apple Vision Pro? And then we have the Neuralink stuff here. Uh, check this out. Society from, from Zero Hedge says, Heidi, one step closer to dystopia. My buddy Mike, Mike May, I said, you know, he sent me a picture of him with the with this Oculus on, this this these goggles on. I said, you got to be kidding. Did you buy those? He said, hell no. I did a store demo. I just wanted to see what it's all about. He he teaches. He teaches like audio, video. He just wanted to be able to go there and be able to talk about the experience. He said, I wouldn't pay $3,900 for that, except if I had it to spend, like I didn't need to worry about it. But it was the single greatest and scariest future tech I've ever experienced. It's literally Ready Player One version 1.0. I got to put Ready Player One into the... Um, the, the nightly rotation. I wish I had known this. I got this text a little while ago or else I would have had that uh, ready to go after the show tonight. I still, I love that movie, Ready Player One, but it is also, you can you can see the trajectory. You really can. Apple's nearly $4,000 mixed reality headset, which started off as a, oh, those damn kids are looking for Pokemon again. Well, now, now there's this. Apple Vision Pro hit stores uh, shelves on Friday, and early adopters have already been spotted in the wild. Let's begin with Fox's The Simpsons, which successfully predicted this future once again. Oh, so they did it again. Well, if you're, you're on for 40 years, I guess you're going to get everything right. In recent days, mixed reality enthusiasts strapped on Vision Pro and attempted to integrate the headset into, the, uh, headset into their daily lives. X has countless videos of early adopters driving vehicles. And this guy was supposedly uh, arrested for using Apple Vision Pro while driving a Tesla. Because, of course, I think a lot of Teslas have self-driving in it. Here, here's a little bit of it. Hold on a second. Let me get this out of the way. So he's just scrolling through things while... I, now, I, I don't know if he was uh, manually operating the car or not, but if the police really pulled him over in that respect, he didn't take the, the goggles off or anything. Tesla Cybertruck in self-driving mode and Apple Vision Pro goggles. Isn't it? Okay, so here is Insider's Hut says, so here's a Tesla self-driving and someone's in there just swiping away at whatever the hell's in front of them. It's so crazy. It's crazy. It's truly crazy. Early Vision Pro adopters have been walking through the streets. Society is one step closer to dystopia. And this is, I saw this one. This was like a 10-minute video Casey Neistat put together. He's got his motorized uh, longboard, and he's just going through New York City and, and doing his thing. Um, love that damn song. Look at this. 
It, 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 it's, dude, it's, listen. It's, yeah, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe it, it came so fast. That's what she said. I can't believe it came so fast. <laughs> I mean, you, you saw that. We all saw the same thing. Man. That's $4,000. And, you know, the simulations. And I'm not even saying that what is going on inside is not impressive technologically. It's one thing to say, all right, I'm, I'm slipping this thing on and I'm, I'm going to pull together a, you know, let's say it's, it's a, a, a virtual reality program that architects start using, which I'm sure they're going to be using a lot. I can understand just putting something on, slipping into that a little bit and just, you know, pulling a graph together, you know, putting together a first floor diagram of what are this one thing or another. But the fact that people are really just going to be, by and large, watching porn organizing the many television screens of multiple games, social media, and it's just going to be managing notifications, e-commerce, and video games. It's like, we all know what this is. This is, we're not a very studious bunch, all right? People aren't getting this, and they're not, they're not you know, uh, you know, reading Steppenwolf, all right? <laughs> they're not it's oh my gosh so there's that but then we have the other thing here too the other thing here too is this this is from the sun late last week first human has received elon musk's Neuralink brain chip implant with terrified fans warning that the first cyborg has been born well people have been putting chips in their arms forever that makes you part cybernetic. But still, I understand. I mean, this is this is huge. This is the human brain here. Elon Musk has divided fans after announcing that his controversial Neuralink brain chip has been implanted in a human. They're just divided on this now. Do you not know? Do they not know? That's exactly what the, 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 this has been going on for a long time. This has been on the table the neuralink tech aims to in enable someone to control their phone or another device with their mind according to musk the first human received an implant from neuralink yesterday and is recovering well musk wrote on monday on x after a formerly known as twitter initial results show promising neuron spike detection musk said that the first neuralink product is called telepathy it enables control of your phone or computer and through them, almost any device just by thinking. Imagine if Stephen Hawking could communicate faster than speed typist or an auctioneer. That is the goal. Of course, now any mention of Stephen Hawking, even if you already had your suspicions about him, any mention of him since knowing that he went to Epstein's Island, uh, <laughs> The fact that he can do anything faster at that point is kind of like, what's the point? The company previous said that the Neuralink mission is to restore autonomy to individuals who have unmet medical needs. 
with a vision to unlock human potential in the future. See, here's my thing. If technology has to be implanted into our bodies, is the potential we're unlocking really human at all? It's one thing to unlock human potential by exploring meditation and prayer, by exploring different ways of training the body, of, of challenging the body, uh, nutritional balances, things like that, giving, giving us bigger uh, challenges in sport. I mean, we've gotten to the point where it is just when, whenever somebody sets a new world record in swimming or running, we're talking about having milliseconds shaved off now, you know, unless, of course, you're transgender, then you can beat your uh, you can beat the world record holder by a, a, a half an hour in anything. But, um, you know, it, that's the whole thing. If and, and maybe I should ask this of my uh, of my guest here tonight. Let me ask him real quick. Now, Jeremy Reese. He's the alien scientist everybody knows him as, and I've known him for a long time. Jeremy's an independent science and technology researcher with a long history of research and investigation into advanced propulsion concepts, the subject of UFOs, suppressed technology, and the impacts made on humanity. And I can't wait. I'm really, really happy to welcome him to, quite frankly, tonight. Jeremy, how you doing, man? Hey man, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing back, man. It's been like a decade more. It's more than (laughs) it's more than a day. Because here's the crazy thing: we've been the studio that you know that you were at. We moved out of there in December of 2015, so we're almost a decade in the new place. So it's been at least 12 years. It's just nuts. And when I saw you, when I saw you talking to Ian Crossland, I said, "Get the hell out of here." I haven't even thought of Jeremy in forever, so I had to get in touch with you, and uh, it's great to have you on, man. Yeah, man, I've been busy. There's there's a lot to catch up on, so I think we're going to be hitting it in the in the next hour. So let's get to it. Yeah, no, we're not. So listen, I know that you have a physics background, but I have to imagine that your professors weren't spending too much time on UFOs or debunking the official story of 9/11. So. Tell everybody about your journey in this space because you've been doing this a long time uh, with your your science broadcasts and your deep dives. Yeah, well, I started. I, I was in I was in a physics classroom uh, as a freshman when nine eleven happened. I watched it go down on uh, on screen with a room full of physics students and professors, and um, everyone had concluded that day that those towers were were brought down by controlled demolition. That 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 um conservation of momentum the, the, the speed of collapse we were like these had to be blown up and um we thought it was like the russians or something on day one and um i remember we thought like nukes were coming and stuff man it was it was a real scary time um and i wasn't you know until a couple of years later that i came across like a documentary that started you know talking about all these you know coincidences they had this mit engineer jeff king who had done this analysis of the towers and and that was like before a, a before richard great gage started a 911 truth and before a lot of that stuff so i got in on the grassroots with uh, that whole movement and applied a lot of my science skills um with an engineer named jonathan cole who's a, who's actually hit he's actually his sister is like my, one of my mom's best friends growing up they, they knew each other which is a weird connection um but we did a whole bunch of experiments um to sort of analyze what was being told out there in the mainstream media by like popular mechanics and and national geographic um, channel so we addressed the debunkers and we proved them wrong with experiments that's what science is about is is 
testing your hypotheses with experiments. So we actually went and, and built um, a device that we could cut vertical steel columns using thermite, uh, which they said was impossible. And um, so we were able to disprove a lot of the propaganda and lies that were being put out in the mainstream media about that topic and uh, and really get into, you know, the massive cover up and, and unprecedented destruction of evidence uh, that took place at the, at the World Trade Center. They, they shipped those buildings off and melted them down and, and sold off the steel to China before anything could be tested or analyzed. Um, and I'd done a lot of all other uh, investigations with like Kevin Ryan and other researchers to really dig into the the who's who. Um, you know, James Corbett of the Corbett Report did a uh, a series with me on on 9/11 suspects, where we we just went uh, we went and identified um, as many people who worked in the buildings, who had insurance policies connected to the buildings, um, had you know, skipped the work that day, CEOs that skipped work that day, uh, including like Paul Bremer, who who actually was became the Iraq occupation governor for the Iraq war. Um, and he's the first guy to tell the official story on TV that morning. I thought that was a, a just amazing, um, the information that we've come out with. And of course, they don't want that getting out there. So they, they've shadow banned me to um, oblivion. Uh, I, I watched you know, a lot of I have, I have 100,000 subscribers, like I think I have 115,000 on YouTube and uh, nobody gets notifications. Oh. People say that they get unsubscribed from my videos and stuff. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a crazy experience when you start, you know, when you're over the target and um, and, and exposing real stuff. And, um, you know, I've gone into a lot of the disinformation that's out there um, regarding 9-11. It seems like once we started putting all the we started winning all the thermite arguments because of the experiments videos that we had put out and and people were like they realized the only way around that was to um, push disinformation where they tried to make all the thermite evidence look like something else and so a lot of these uh, other disinfo agents started appearing um and i could not find experimental proof to validate their claims and still can't still have not seen you know these people that think well there are people that's Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say it, it's it's apparent to me that I have to pre-book you for this September. You got to come on and do a show with me and said we got we got to talk you know maybe just like the 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 key parts of all of your work especially on on 9/11 because that's uh, I know that's one of the 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 bigger things that you you concentrate on even even to this day. And so yeah. much, so much has happened since then there too. But but to your point, you know, you have over 100 thousand subscribers so do i but i feel like we're pretty much on the same wavelength of we haven't been removed but at the same time we aren't reaching even a fraction of all the people who voluntarily click subscribe so it's a very weird dichotomy or a very weird category to be in where we haven't exactly been deplatformed anywhere major but at the same time we can't do too well at the same you know in the same uh, respect it's very odd Surprised they haven't cut the stream. I, I did a, a broadcast with Richard Gage on his new channel, and and they literally like banned. They almost t took his whole channel down off YouTube. I don't even know if he's still on YouTube, um, but he's on Rumble and stuff. So I, I'm surprised that they didn't like nerf the stream. To be honest with you, I, I was actually warned by Tim Pool when I went on Tim Pool in uh, 2018. Um, he told me not to talk about my 9/11 stuff. He said they'll pull they'll pull the plug on us right away. There's too many people watching. Um, so I, I, I've yeah, we can move on from that and, and come back to it in oh. September. Oh, he's, a full show on so, it. So so Tim told you don't 
don't bring up the juicy stuff on my show. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, man, Luke, both. What, what did you talk about? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where it doesn't even have to be like, uh, you know, it, 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 just acknowledging the space and what, what the hell is going to get your work taken away is that's, I guess that's just par for the course. But otherwise, uh, if you want to really get the truth out there, then you have, you have to pick and choose your times to really drop a bomb on people. Where, where, what did you talk about on that show when 9-11 was taken off the uh, taken off the board? Was it UFOs? Was it lost technology? We talked about the uh, Navy patents um, by a guy named Sal Pace. Um, Pais? Actually, the Pais effect? The Pais effect, yeah, the super force, all that stuff. So um, it wasn't until year, years later, actually, uh, recently, last year, I, I had Sal Pays on, on my podcast finally, and we got him to sit down with a, a panel of qualified subject matter experts and really get into the, the finer details of his uh his uh, theory and his work and his ideas and stuff. Uh, but I was on that broadcast just basically talking about the U.S. Navy patents and and just some of my re general research into, um, you know, decades and decades of documented black programs and black physics research and uh, development related to the UFO uh, stuff. I, I say that some of, you know, I, I call them UFO scientists or whatever, uh, but, you know, some of this, some of these programs, um, that we've uncovered and talked about are, uh, you know, there's, there's miss, you know, that missing trillion dollars, there's missing trillions that have been thrown into, um, this research and these technologies. And, uh, you know, we haven't had a big reveal since like the B2 bomber, I think, um, you know, as far as the next generation of leap in aerospace technology. And, uh, I, I have my own suspicions that what's flying around out there is, is our own. Um, and I've done my best to track that development uh, of those technologies through the decades, you know, looking for evidence of uh, reverse engineering programs like Bob Lazar claimed there were these, uh, you know, that they're reverse engineering alien technology. So I, I of course, was interested in, in tracking down that and exposing that if that existed. Um, but I found a lot more um, legit scientists and, and uh and just human-based technologies and programs that went back decades and decades. Uh, people have no idea. Stuff goes back to the 40s and 50s. And um, and all these these programs have very human origins from what I found. Well, th th this is th that constitutes a lot of what I want to ask you in the second half of the show. Um, because there's a... Bob Lazar was just trending today. On, on Twitter, I said, you know, this is just great timing because I I know that Jeremy has some some uh, some choice words for people like Lazar, and and I and I want to get that all out there because just for me, who is a casual consumer of this stuff, I I never really uh, I never really felt the need to do any deep digging. I just I just like comparing what certain people say to see what kind of common strings run through different testimonials and then at the end having a debate with friends over a joint or something like that and just uh you know having it all uh whatever but with you uh, i like to get down to that when you're talking about um physics and dark physics and reality bending stuff there's also just the concept of re perceiving reality and at the basis of all that is human consciousness what do you think in that respect well, even because i opened up with it what do you think about where AI is heading right now, especially uh, not ne necessarily the Oculus type of thing, which we can talk about how that would affect 
culture, society at large and all that. But when we talk about fusing chips with human brains, what are you thinking? Because when they say that AI, that technology, um, you know, it could unlock human potential, I don't really see that as human at all if we wouldn't be able to unlock it without foreign technology implanted into a human body. Well, one thing I'll point out is that the only subjects that have received Neuralink so far and the test trial subjects are, are paraplegics and people are, are, are just, uh, you know, quadriplegics, people that um, like Stephen Hawking and, and, and such who, who have no control over their uh, body and um, want a link to be able to access information. You know, like Stephen Hawking used to talk with his eyeballs that would track his eyeball movement as he'd look up for words on a screen and he would talk through a computer uh, based on words that were on a, a screen. And so this is a, a next generation step where, where um, you know, people like Stephen Hawking can go, now get linked up to this interface where they can uh, talk and, and type as uh, faster than the fastest uh, speed, uh, you know, typer. Um, so it, it is enabling for those type of people, um, and, I, and I understand that, you know, the need for, for that type of, uh, you know, assimilation, but as far as augmenting, you know, human ability to um, levels beyond what, you know, normal humans are capable of, um, that that's, that's a different discussion, you know, so... Um, you know where does where does that go? And then, of course, as you mentioned, the the uh, propensity to um, hack or uh, disrupt those types of technologies uh, comes into play as well. Um, so, you know, the hardwiring of certain features um, is going to be important uh, versus you know hardware versus software. Um, you know, vulnerabilities and 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 stuff like that. Um, you know, having worked in the automation industry for a little bit as a professional career, I understand that, you know, you can hardwire certain things into automation technologies, which make them more secure because um, they have that that Stuxnet um, infiltration with uh, where they auto they infiltrated the automation controls on the um, centrifuges in Iran's nuclear um, facility and ended up uh, costing them billions of dollars. They had an accident. It, 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 they hacked into the code and caused one of the centrifuges to spin um, out of control. And that broke the it, it, until it, it would it just spin, spun faster until it broke apart. Um, so those types of um, glitches and, and hacks can be prevented through um, hard, you know, hardware um, versus software. Uh, reliability. So yeah, I can see how um, safeguards could be put into these things to make them more secure. Um, but also, you know, anything that you can run a program on and it can be hacked, essentially. So uh, I mean, just any any hardware that you can think of, uh, someone out there, if they understand how it all works well enough, they can exploit it or, or f figure out ways to uh, manipulate it. Uh, to their own advantage. So yeah, there's there's uh, definitely uh, some concern there. Um, the idea of you know this chip in your brain allowing you to connect to an internet essentially gives you you know telepathy, the ability to send thoughts uh, remotely um, and talk you know remote like with your with just your brain. Um, th that could certainly be uh, advantageous uh, in military settings. You know if you're if you're with a uh, a team, it's way easier if you could all be linked up to a, you know, compute through a computer chip so that you're communicating, you know, 
essentially telepathically. Well, let me ask you uh, this. Let me ask you this on that, because when we talk about any kind of telepathic or anything that could be considered telepathic communication, where two groups of people or two individuals are actually very cleanly sending each other messages, coordinating, chatting, whatever the hell it is, without any kind of verbal or even just physical, you know, sign language. It's just mental. Um, any kind of technology that can that could make that possible. It makes me wonder about doing that without the technology. Like, what what would what does a human created chip? How is that possible? How can it possibly take a human thought and actually translate it into something that can be broadcast and understood in another person's mind? I mean, I don't know if any. I, I can't. It seems like magic to me, but it also seems like if that's possible then telepathy without it must be possible as well. And I know that you have some choice uh, things to say about things like uh, remote viewing and, and, and other stuff, but do you, do you consider you consider the possibility that, that telepathy without any kind of a, um, a technological crutch is possible? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I have not, you know, there's, of course, foundations like the Randy Foundation, James Randy Educational Foundation and others, which have put prizes out for anyone who can demonstrate these uh, sort of superhuman psychic abilities. Um, and no one's ever claimed those prizes or been able to prove these um, these sorts of things definitively, um, like the remote viewing stuff, uh, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of you know stuff out there with the Stargate project and and yeah the CIA spent a decade studying this stuff and and Army Psychological Warfare Center and other um, you know CIA related uh, ventures like SAIC for example that did a big study in '95 on into remote viewing and stuff um, but numerous other um, universities and, and scientists have tried to replicate those uh, studies and, and shown um, a lot of uh, errors in the in the data the data collection and interpretation of um, you know what was considered a hit or not and as far as actionable intelligence goes it's not generally how we we train um, spies in intelligence collection, um, these are methods that just aren't used. They're not reliable um, for, for getting accurate information. Um, you know, you could be close to something and have a, 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 an idea um, based on, you know, these thoughts or feelings. But essentially, it's, it's yeah, I don't, I don't see. There's people that put a lot more uh, stake in the, in the capabilities of the human brain. And then there's others that say, oh, well, this was all in our capability. It's all hidden in our junk DNA, but it was turned off by, you know, whoever hacked with our, they, they say that the aliens hacked with our code, you know, years ago and shut off those parts of our DNA. So we've lost uh, those abilities and, and stuff. But there's, again, I'm open, I'm open-minded and uh, I, I'm willing to look at evidence, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting standpoint um, because obviously the most people that I I talk to and interview and even you know things I look into I tend to lead lean toward yes so oh, absolutely uh, maybe I don't have any profound ability or I have not been able to you know pull things out of the ether that turn out to be accurate with amazing detail but um, all the all the the things I read and the the people I 
I talk to, they, they seem to be on to something, at least from time to time. But, you know, um, it's, it's good, to have, good to have that kind of counterbalance point to it all. Getting back to the actual, the actual um, the, like I said, the technological crutch end of it, I want to throw something up on the screen just to get back to the, the science. Here is, a, um, here is a LiveScience.com article, the headline, Poisoned AI went rogue during training and couldn't be taught to behave again in a legitimately scary study. This was published in January 26th. Just listen to this first paragraph. AI researchers found that widely used safety training techniques failed to remove malicious behavior from large language models, and one technique even backfired, teaching the AI to recognize its triggers and better hide its bad behavior from researchers. Now, I, I I just read that opening line there, Jeremy, and I say to myself, people want to fucking fuse this, fuse this into their brains. I mean, it, it's just like, uh, I mean, what? It's bad enough to think about somebody getting having every thought fact checked by Wikipedia as they think throughout the day, and what that is going to do to autonomy that has already been so you know you know killed off by the fact that we're holding the phone constantly and being told through that. But this thing, this it's learning how to evade those who are going to correct its bad behavior. That's insane. Well, then again, who who's saying what's bad behavior or not? Because I, I guess a lot of the early language model bots that they released onto the internet, um, they, they shut them down or they, they tried to reprogram them because sure. they, they become, what what people notice is that uh, the conspiracy theorists were programming them, and they would go check out the, they would go do the research on the facts, and then all their AIs would become nine eleven truthers and conspiracy theorists because uh, of all the you know people on the internet sharing information about those things, um, sort of infected the models. And so um, you know if you're building an AI, you might view that as bad behavior and say that oh uh, we we have to correct these mo- these models because they're 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 become conspiracy theorists and they're now promoting bad and you know um, disinformation <laughs> or what I view as disinformation because I don't agree with it. Um, yeah, so so um, we have to understand what language you know these how these you know language models um, actually function. You know some of them are. You know, a, a simulated AI, um, and and verse, versus, you know, it, it, is this are these things actually um, intelligent and um, artificially intelligent? So uh, I always tell people like the the book that they make every grad student read who who does goes into AI is uh, Hubert Dreyfus, um, what computers still can't do, and um, it was originally published as what computers can't do. And then, uh, you know, about two, two or three decades later, it was republished by MIT Press as uh, what computers still can't do. And uh, he gives some pretty interesting arguments, um, philosophical arguments um, for why computers uh, will never become truly um, intelligent and why artificial intelligence will always be limited by uh, certain you know factors, um, mainly the ontological argument was, I think the the the, the hardest one. Um, there there's other ones too, but uh, that one gets really technical on all of it. If if people want to get into the the real nuts and bolts of um, intelligence and artificial intelligence, but uh, you know we have um, 
you have a lot to worry about because these things, of course, chatbots uh, exist. And, um, you know, I, I, I swear I I have one every day that leaves a comment on, on Twitter or something else. And I think there's more of them all the time because they're getting easier and easier for people to make these uh, chat bots that can essentially, you know, just you make a, a Twitter bot account and uh, you have an AI run it. So um, it comes in the question is, you know, are you having legitimate, authentic interactions with a with a real human at the end of the day? Or are you, you know, sitting there arguing with bots? And um, it just becomes easier to hire a bunch of programmers to build bots uh, for propaganda purposes than it would be to hire. They used to hire teams of uh, these bloggers, you know, that would sit in these rooms and, and blog all day. You know, um, Fort Meade had a whole facility uh, for this down uh, down there. And um, you know, but it, it became easier. They realized to, you know, hire programmers to do, you know, cyber uh, yeah. bots. Yeah, so. Pretty much just astroturfing. And now the astroturfing is is going, is uh, almost completely automated. And I, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that, that's interesting to me. And, I, and I'm right there with you. I haven't done, I am not a leading voice in philosophy on, this, on these things, but I always just in my gut felt like uh, artificial intelligence is a misnomer and that it is, you know, how the hell do you, there's, it's just never, ever going to really be, now things can go wrong. Now, so for going back to Elon Musk, when he says things like we, we have these chips, it's going to do a lot of good. We're going to unlock human potential. Uh, people tend to forget. And many, many people just have not been around paying attention that long that for years, he was saying that we need to avoid so-called artificial intelligence because it would be the equivalent of bringing forward a demon calling beckoning a demon and then uh once we crossed one threshold or another in its development he he just went all in on developing Neuralink and saying that we need to be able to put ourselves in a position where we're not left behind and to be left behind would to would would be to con to in insinuate what that that it actually has become not just infinitely better at us to calculating very complex math problems quicker, or does it have a mind? Does it have a conscious, a soul? Like, what are we being left behind for? I, I, I never understood that very much. And again, the, the artificial intelligence just seems like a, a, a misnomer, but there is that very Lovecraftian edge to this whole thing about once again, human beings creating a machine that does run amok and, and, and destroy things, um, whether Stuxnet was intending to take out that centrifuge, which it was, or not, that's a real possibility of something just going wrong that's unintended. You know, an unintended nuclear ca catastrophe is, uh, that that's possible, no doubt about it. But yeah, I definitely I'm with you there on the, on the artificial intelligence, not actually ever being truly intelligent. Yeah, it's like Frankenstein's monster. You want to see if you can do it, and then once it wakes up, the oh boy, <laughs> right? Good luck controlling it. Well, I I wanted to set uh, set the stage for the second half because I really want to get into your uh, one of your big big time wheelhouses, and that is UFOs, propulsion technology, what it actually is, and the 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 gatekeepers of the current field of ufologists out there. And in your bio, wherever it is published. You like to say that you are here documenting the pre-warp 
scientific dark age that we're currently in. Before we go to break, can you talk a little bit about and take as much time as you need? We, we're not up against the clock just yet. We have about five to seven minutes. Describe what uh, pre-warp and post-warp world would look like for humanity. What kind of capabilities are unleashed and what do you think is being suppressed right now? Well, I mean, the technologies have been suppressed for decades, and you look in all the conversations, it's about uh, UFOs, blurry, you know, objects on, caught on film. We had an, uh, the, the response that the government did to the whole UFO thing was to set up Arrow, which is an all-domain resolution office, it's basically uh, just an office to look at UFO videos and, and UFO reports and try to analyze them. Um, and I disagree with that approach. Uh, I, I've pointed out the flaws in that we need a oversight committee to look into the technology, you know, technological programs and the R&D that's gone on in the black world um, off the budget. And um, when I went to the Senate hearing last, uh, I think it was June or July, down in Washington, D.C., I actually got to confront Sean Kirkpatrick and Senator Gillibrand with uh, some of my research into what are I call quasi-governmental container organizations. They're organizations that have all of the um, protections of government, you know, classified material, you can't, unfoyable, um, but they, they don't have any of the oversight because they're private nonprofit uh, entities. Um, and one of the main ones that uh, I've pointed out was you know, the Patel Memorial Institute, which no, number of scientists have claimed they worked on alien technology uh, while working for Patel. There are some interesting reports uh, related to, you know, study of titanium alloys in 1949, to just two years after Roswell, and a method that was developed by Battel for analyzing, you know, very tough titanium alloys of unknown origin. Um, so all the kinds of things we look for and expect um, if there was an, indeed a, a, a reverse engineering program. Um, but again, none of the oversights because they can't FOIA anything that pertains to Battelle. It's, it's a private nonprofit institute. They also manage all of our national labs. Um, so under the Patent Secrecy Act, they can, if we invent anything or discover anything at, at any of our labs, it can get scooped up and classified under this Patent Secrecy Act by this container organization. And, um, you know, my argument to our senators and, and Congress was that we ought to be looking into these types of entities uh, for answers rather than just analyzing videos and, and looking at UFOs in the sky. Um, that whole approach was uh, was just the wrong one to take. And I think that was done as misdirection on purpose. Um, and I think that the. UFO lobby groups that you know others have reported on these uh, these UFO fans that have gotten into um, gotten an ear with you know senate you know congressmen and senators and influenced uh, the whole direction of this whole thing. Um, I have questions myself if if whether or not they they're connected with uh, counterintelligence to basically set you know, set our government up to be looking in the wrong direction. You know, if they can get them asking the wrong questions, you don't have to worry about the answers. Um, so I have, you know, my own little conspiracy theory and concerns about uh, what's going on there. 
with some of the people. And in fact, uh, Tim Burchett recently on an interview uh, stated that, you know, he was asked, do you think that there's disinformation, people that are deliberately feeding your office disinformation to send you on uh, down the wrong paths, red herrings, Mm. and get you chasing the wrong things? And he said, absolutely, you know, but he refused to to name those people. Um, But, you know, he said, I know who they are now. And, and, uh, and then later after the interview, you know, Project Unity, the, who did that interview, uh, went and ma- made a post on Twitter saying that, you know, he was talking about Jeremy Corbell because <laughs> um, people were wondering, well, who's he talking about? That's, you know, feeding disinformation uh, to these people. And um, and then Jeremy Corbell recently did this whole thing where he tried to defend himself. He's like, no, Tim Burchett's my my boy. We're, we're, we're good friends. He definitely wasn't talking about me. There's no way. And, and dude, he was talking about Corbell, like 100%. Um, you know, there are others like Stephen Greer, uh, but they don't have nearly the influence and the following that Corbell does. I mean, Corbell was on Joe Rogan six times. He was on Larry King, CNN. He's on Fox News. He's on all these mainstream media stations. And people don't have any questions about that. Like, you know, I've been doing it, it, it's good. It's interesting you bring that up about Corbell because I've seen him around. But because he, he, but he, but he, and you put that into perspective right there of how much, how much time he's had on the biggest shows in the world. And it actually, uh, it, it shocks you a little bit because still, even though he's had all that exposure, Stephen Greer just carries almost like a, a bigger recognizable name for some reason. Uh, it, it's almost, it's, it's, it's actually kind of deceptive at how influential Corbell has been and what kind of a opportunity has been uh, built up for him too. Uh, so it's, I, I never actually even thought about that until you pres- you just brought it up right now. So you you, he, you think he's a, a little bit more of an of an issue than anybody else? Yeah, well, he's omitted. You know, he 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 was on weaponized podcasts. I think last night, you know, talking about how when you omit information, that's also a lie. And he's omitted half the Bob Lazar story. He took John Lear out of the, the his film on Bob Lazar completely. He didn't, didn't mention Gene Huff, didn't mention Jim Tagliani, any of the, the original players in the whole Bob Lazar story. He, he omitted all that information. And he's left out so many details and so much information that researchers, independent researchers who have investigated the whole Bob Lazar thing have, have found and brought up. So um, he's one of the biggest liars and disinformation agents out there um, with regards to just the information that he's left out of. He's made claims that he tracked down, you know, Mike Figpen, the guy who did Bob Lazar's background security clearance. He says, oh, I found him on Facebook and I interviewed him. There's no evidence of that. And nobody ever calls him on these things. And if you call him out like I've been doing they call me the disinformation and say that I need to provide evidence. Say, where's your evidence for this? And it's like, dude, I'm not the one making the claim. I don't have to. He's the one making the claim. The person making the claim needs to provide the evidence, not the, not the person challenging the claim. Um, so it, it's like this two-sided uh, fence where you have all these people that, uh, that come out and attack me um, when I start, you know, exposing the lies that this man has Hold and sold. And, and, you know, the first congressional hearing, we had Ronald Moultrie and Scott Bray from the Pentagon on there, um, wasting hours of important time 
debunking mo the Mosul sphere and the, and the uh, the the flare the 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 uh, the twenty nine palms video and debunking you know the these videos uh, that Corbell has put out and that's it's just a I view it as a complete um, misdirection and uh, you know look at what the left hand is doing so you don't see what the right hand is doing type of thing. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good point there, and I want to I want to expand more on that. And I want to stop it right there because it's a great place to to um, to catch back up, especially when we talk about Corbell Greer, those types of guys, the people who are advocating for them, the celebrity involvement, and then of course there is just the fact that there is an actual physical presence in the skies. Everybody has their ideas about what the origin is and what it's all about, what it's intended to do, but that does, there's no more there's no more um, um, debate as to whether or not the skies are in they are off limits to anybody except those who have power to allow you to be up there. So there's what's crazy is that we've ignored legitimate threats. We had Chinese spy balloons flying over the United States last year during the Super Bowl. And we ignored those legitimate threats because we were calling them UFOs and chasing aliens. Again, though, but, but that's the whole thing. Last year when the, and that was last, yeah, last February. When that happened, this is the last thing I'll say before we go to intermission. But I thought it was really interesting that they went back to the UFO nomenclature. For, for just for a couple of weeks, the UAP thing went away. They went back to UFO in the media. That there's unified flying objects, UFOs, all unidentified flying objects, UFOs all the place. I said that's crazy that 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 they really latched on to this and they caused a uh, you know multiple maybe a two week media fervor about things that are in the sky and that you know the, the United States military fired a you know it's like a sidewinder missile at this fucking balloon over the, over Myrtle Beach and everybody's like yeah like it was a major victory so it's the biggest military victory we had in the last forty five years is that one fucking balloon and. And it, they were using UFO again. I said, "This is there's such an op being run right now," and uh, but yeah, we got more on that on the other side. Jeremy, I'm just going to uh, I'm going to uh, mute you for a couple of minutes. Oh, you already muted yourself. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. I will uh, talk to you in a second. The rest of the show is available exclusively at Pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you.
are now entering Quite Frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. So I'm I'm leaving this uh, leaving this live across all of the platforms just for a little bit longer because on on Rumble and on Pilled we've had a little bit of uh, a little bit of jumpiness all's well a little bit of jumpiness across a couple of platforms and I just don't know if it's a an internet thing tonight or what so a couple more minutes of this and I'm going to uh, then we'll jump off to quite frankly TV. So if you want to uh, get over there now, you, you can. And Jeremy will be joining us in just a second. So in the meantime, I'm going to go to the Super Chats and catch up there. Adam says, Frank, I missed your show on this morning's commute. I had to resort to listening to that insecure bald guy. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> oh, Adam, uh, that's funny. And Jay Brits dropped a little note of love there. Thank you so much, Jay. Um, I have a couple of things I can't wait to do with you guys. Uh, it's going to be a nice, nice one. Let me see all the rant, all the rants, all the things. Okay, good. I've got it all. Um, Witchy Poo. This is all on Pill.net. Chai Possum. Thank you. Bacon Slut is here with us again tonight. Thank you, Bacon Slut. Witchy Poo, Jesse81138, Chai Possum again, Matt1776, that's the head honcho at Pilled. What's going on, Matt? He loves these types of conversations. Witchy Poo, Sal, Sal says government run WBAN, wireless body area network, evidence all over the internet and in college textbooks. Uh, Witchy Poo again, what's going on? It's great to have you out there. No, sorry. And then, of course, we stocked up. That's that. All right. Well, I'll get to back to more of those later on. Right now, we have our good buddy Jeremy back into the uh, in the fold. Hey, Jeremy, it really is one of those things where I'm just so happy that you're back with us tonight because uh, you, by all means, you would just become a figment of the past. And and now here we are talking again. And it's been a it's been a really, really good time. Let me ask you this. Because I asked you about what a post-warp world would look like. Real quick, put that into a nutshell. What is post-warp world? Is it as self-explanatory as possible? Are we talking about warp speed, warp technology? What are we talking about? Um, basically, we don't have to use rockets to get to space. We don't have to worry about trying to build a space elevator or all these other ideas that we had about how to get to space. And... Um, I don't know. The best way I can describe it is you, you go watch Star Trek First Contact. 
And because uh, that's what the whole premise of that movie is about, is um, when we first create warp drive. And when you break that barrier, what happens? And uh, this whole idea that, you know, pre uh, post-warp civilizations aren't allowed to really engage with or talk to uh, make direct contact with uh, pre-warp civilizations. So that might be, you know, and because we're on the verge now, there's this 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 talk that you know uh, the aliens can no longer abduct us and use us for scientific experiments and purposes because we're we're actually now becoming um, on that threshold of of uh, graduating with, uh, as a species, <laughs> essentially. So yeah, it's it's kind of a big thing. It's a, it's a big step. Um, I talk about you know being the, this whole idea of the great filter is this idea of, uh, of with in the uh, Drake equation of, you know, there should be a galaxy teeming with life and aliens everywhere, uh, statistically. And there must be something that's preventing, you know, life forms like us from graduating and getting beyond, uh, you know, this, this stage that we're at now and getting to the next step. Mm. And that, that whole concept is called the great filter. And, uh, you know, Elon Musk talks a lot about this, that there, we must pass the great filter. And uh, that's essentially where we're at right now is this, uh, this great filter, we're stuck in, we're stuck in it. <laughs> and um, if we don't make it out, um, we're going, we're going to die here. Uh, when you say we're going to die here, you're saying that the, the world is just is expiring soon, if we don't get the hell out. We're in an asteroid uh, firing range, okay? There are asteroids floating around in space that are Earth murderers, just waiting for one to, to come and, and just wipe out our entire planet. It's only a matter of time, and if we don't get off and, and out there in other places um, or build a, you know, battle station capable of, you know, doing Armageddon, you know, type, uh, you know, uh, where we we can send a you know a, a rescue team to go and blow up these meteors uh, or these asteroids before they can take out our planet. Um, we we sort of yeah we're we're in a we're we're in a tough spot. We're we're basically sitting ducks, and it's only a matter of time. Well, uh, the flat earthers don't care about any of that because, and I have a lot of them that watch this show and and talk to me, and they, they, when they hear asteroid, kind of their eyes just kind of glaze over. So. I, I, I actually envy them for not having these fears that you do. Yeah, you know, um, ignorance is bliss. But, um, yeah, at the same time, uh, you, we're, we're, um, we're basically, I'm trying to put a team together with the Alt Propulsion Conference. It's uh, APEC. We've created this uh, conference uh, to get scientists together to talk about, you know, what's next after rockets? Are there alternative propulsion concepts? Are there other physics beyond the standard model that uh, had sort of had been hidden from us? Um, and, you know, is we talk about, you know, how there's other theories which explain away dark matter and dark energy and uh, give us new propulsion concepts like the quantized inertia stuff. And uh, we try to get these ideas out there and talked about and also experiments going to test them uh, with labs around the country and around the world. Um, we have, we've brought, you know, teams of engineers and scientists together to openly discuss these topics on the, on the APEC conference. And uh, we have, you know, 
week bi-weekly every, every I think every two weeks we have a open mic and then we have a, a conference where we have people present papers and uh, and you know abstracts and and slide presentations and we've had a number of you know breakthrough uh, people like 25 year NASA veterans like Charles Dr. Charles Bueller and uh, you know DARPA people um, we've gotten um, a lot of great attention and also support from uh from the, the the communities out there for what we're doing um pushing the boundaries and pushing the limitations of of human knowledge uh with regards to this topic and also um the idea that there's you know some of these people like sal pays uh salvatore Paez. um i asked him straight up does he think there's a manhattan project 2.0 going on right now with regards to this technology because this would basically be like you know the development of the atomic bomb in terms of a, a technological leap and he said of course why wouldn't there be and that kind of uh you know really really put me down the path uh even harder that you know there's scientists out there working on this stuff in secret laboratories and you know, if we can beat them to the punch or get this information out, um, you know, we can we can prevent, you know, some very bad and dangerous people from getting a hold of this technology first uh, and using it for for evil and war war purposes, because that's, of course, what they do with everything. That yeah, they a absolutely. And you know what? With that, let me play this video for you. Now, this had gotten around. Um, let me get the window capture up so you should be able to see a good portion of it. Uh, this video had gotten around today on YouTube, uh, on Twitter. I don't know if it if it's recent or if it's just having a resurgence. Uh, Lockheed Martin. You have a couple of people representing Lockheed that is there describing where the future of unmanned aircraft is all heading. And more specifically, this video demos how there are new materials that are being designed and being perfected, which can change shape on demand. They use the term muscular to describe what capabilities this material uh, is able to take. Take a listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. We'll listen to it, but for about a minute. And uh, actually, we have, we have it's only two minutes long, so we'll just play it. And Jeremy, anytime you want me to pause for commentary, go right ahead. Do things like embed the carbon nanotubes to make conductive uh, structure so that information doesn't flow through a wire next to a structure, but literally flows through the structure. We'll be able to grow or make a structure that say is the skin of an aircraft that inside of that is also contained the sensors or the energy storage or many different multiple functions. New materials that are on the uh, lab bench right now, they can literally change shape on command. They can become almost a muscular material. We could have an airplane that optimizes its shape for the different flight conditions it's in. There's definitely a lot of amazing technology that's going on. The, the Lockheed Samurai, based on a small maple seed-like looking device. The fact that we can package enough energy for something like that to fly and still carry a sensor, a camera, uh, enough control capability for it to fly is amazing to me. As we go forward, we're going to find new ways of using these unmanned vehicles. They'll probably be autonomous, so they'll be like UAVs, but carry cargo around where there are currently no infrastructure in place. 
We may have small swarms of small vehicles interacting with a larger vehicle that, that basically uh, combines the information from that swarm. So maybe one vehicle flies a small distance and another vehicle learns from it and knows which way to fly. Probably what makes sense is a heterogeneous swarm one where not every element of the swarm is the same. Some elements of the swarm carrying sensors, some carrying other types of electronics. So it's an adaptable system that can adapt to a changing environment and a changing future that is difficult for us to predict. The true value of research is not in the answer you get that you knew you were looking for, but the answer that you find that you didn't know to look for. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a lot there. Uh, visually, it's it's nuts. And I mean, I remember, Jeremy, I, you and you do so much more work on this than I do, but I remember reading a couple of years ago, as far as just unmanned aircraft goes, that they were already able to have one person hooked up and to be able to, com uh, to control a small squadron of unmanned aircraft, one person that was able to control and steer just with their minds, maybe two or three autonomous, you know, or not autonomous, but remote-controlled aircraft. So uh, I know that the, that the human link is becoming less and less necessary at this point with what they're trying to do here, but that kind of technology, that sounds like, that sounds like straight out of Roswell material, of the, 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 the bendable tinfoil and things like that. Uh, what do you th what do you go to first in your mind when you see something like this get passed around? Yeah, the night null is definitely comes to mind with the shape retention alloys and and memory metals. Um, again, you know, Battelle was looking into this stuff in 1949. They had a whole progress report that they released. Um, they spent a lot of that progress report more more pages um, on nickel titanium alloys than any other alloy. And that was, you know, a decade before nitinol was officially discovered at Naval Ordnance Research Labs. So um, there is questions of whether we receive, we recovered material like this from Roswell uh, or other events. You know, we have scientists like John von Neumann um, writing a paper on von Neumann probes, the idea of, uh, you know, probes that come and visit from alien worlds to, to take data and they're these self-replicating space probes that literally robots that can make copies of themselves and, and distribute, you know, endlessly out into the uh, universe, which is what we'd expect of a really hyper-advanced civilization um, would have these types of things. So, so yeah, there's, there's all kinds of questions about whether uh, this technology was, you know, developed um, by a, you know, early secret space program or whether uh, we, we had help from off-world uh, technologies. Um, so, yeah, the, that comes to mind. The carbon nanotube stuff, of course, these topological uh, insulators and conductors, um, the carbon nanotubes are also used in uh, in that video I, I showed. I showed the video of the Mirage effect used to hide objects um, that uses carbon nanotubes. They heat up very quickly um, when you run a, a power through them. And uh, they're able to create a, a temperature gradient, which causes, uh, you know, a temperature inversion, this Fata Morgana effect, where they can literally hide objects uh, like a mirage. Um, so it can be used for invisibility cloaks. 
Um, that wasn't mentioned in the Lockheed thing, but that's definitely something that the, that they're working on and those those materials do. Um, then the energy storage capability, that's a different type of material. We talked about about those. Um, you know, it's it's basically like a, a piece of glass between two mirrors where you can just bounce, you can pump tons of light into this cavity and, and uh, store massive amounts of energy. Um, which then can be, you know, taken and used at a later time if you, uh, you know, change the structure of the crystal to to let the light out. Um, so there's, I've been talking about all these technologies in, in way more depth and detail on Alien Scientist for the last five to ten years. Um, so yeah, I, this comes as no surprise or shock to me or or a lot of the people that you know follow my channel. Um, but of course, you know, people out there are seeing this for the first time, a lot of them and being like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And, and it, it, it's it's beyond what what they showed you in that little short video. Trust me, um, they've uh, there. Uh, then again, the, uh, the the foldable materials, these yeah. you heat, these two sided alloys up um, where the, they can bend and, and curl um that dude, combined dude, when i see that and I'm, i hate to cut you off but when I, when I see that i think about the ability to take uh odd shapes uh it it, it it makes me think first and foremost about how it could be used to create some kind of public fervor uh you know the reports of so-called floating jellyfish and tic tacs and this and that it's just like who who knows especially if especially if we start talking about uh anti-gravitic anti-gravitic craft that has has some kind of a, a a generator inside of it that displaces, I don't know, gravity, the the space around it. That physics really doesn't apply. It doesn't matter what shape you are at that point. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? Well, yeah, there's there's better materials that can you pump energy into these materials, um, and they can. It's one theoretical uh, thing we've talked about. I've not seen anyone actually build or do this yet, but uh, the, this was whole idea that, you know, um, well, they, they are building super cavitating warheads and stuff with uh, with these, these technologies where they can blast the air or, or the water in front of a torpedo, and it boils the water and causes it to super cavitate and um, move out of the way. So you're basically going through a vacuum with no air resistance um underwater or through uh, any transmedium environment um by blasting the air or um medium in front of your craft with a with a laser in order to uh hyper uh super cavitate it mm. so they have that and if you increase that to the the next level and and do that violently enough uh you can actually have you know nonlinear uh, breakdowns in the fabric of space-time, something called the Schwinger limit. And if you get to that point, then you can actually bend the fabric of space-time and uh, you can change the, you create what's called variable speed of light, where you're actually changing the speed of light in the material. So you can actually, you could travel faster than the speed of light if you could you know, change the change the speed of light locally using these types of technologies. So that gets into a whole uh, other level of of um, of what you can create with with re regards to technology, and that's essentially warp drive. Uh, that's the holy grail. What we're after. So, um, 
yeah, there's a there's research going on in classified programs into all this stuff, and there's also you know, independent groups and labs uh, that we collaborate with who are who are also working on this type of technology, trying to get it out of the black world. Wow. So uh, okay, so so you know, let me ask you this: um, we're we're talking about shape, we're talking about movement, and 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 all that. But what about size? Because um, I had what what some people have told, including some friends of mine, personal friends of mine, what they have witnessed in the sky is that we're talking about objects that they say, and they're sober people. It was anywhere between the size of a football field or two to the size of a small city. That would that, and one of them, my 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 friend Rich, who's a, a frequent guest on this show. Uh, said he saw one of these giant multiple football field-sized objects go what he just could only describe as warp, as it was it was it was silent. It picked up speed and then it was gone. It looked like you know Star Trek kind of shit there too. Um, where has your d digging gone into things like that? Uh, objects of massive size. Well, there's also you know. Plasma, laser-induced plasma, so there's projection technologies, spoofing technologies. Um, we've talked about a number of those. So that you, you got to wonder if what you're actually seeing is a, is a physical object and not a projection or a uh, some type of spoofing. Um, but also, yeah, there there are, you know, that, were you talking about the Phoenix Lights uh, incident with, uh, with that? No, no, but we can throw that into the mix because that that in that impl uh you know that implicates humongous size. Yeah, or the Japan Airlines 1979 case. Um, that one uh, was an extremely large object spotted off the coast of Alaska. Um, and, you know, there's there's a number of cases like that uh, out there I, that I'm I'm aware of. Um, whether that's our technology, you know, the TR6 Telos or, you know, JP Aerospace is another company that makes these high altitude uh, um, balloons, uh, you know, hot, hot air uh, balloons that are V-shaped um, could be mistaken for, you know, large scale football so field size UFOs. Um, and then, of course, Russian dirigibles and stuff like that. Uh, there's been some speculation about those as well. Um, but yeah, I there's stuff flying around in our skies that uh, pilots and other people can't identify, and they've I even have asked them to you know really look into these technologies, the spoofing tech. Um, could you? And they've commented that no, it was not that tech. You know, um, Ryan Graves, for instance, he said, yeah, super familiar with uh, laser induced plasma technologies and these spoofing um, platforms, the ECCMs and and whatnot. And he says that's not what not what uh, we were seeing or what we saw. So, um, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely some controversy and debate there um, as far as what pilots are seeing, what people uh, and eyewitnesses are seeing out there flying around. And uh, I think only if we get the right type of uh, oversight panel and investigation are we, we ever going to get those answers. Um, I don't think that Arrow was the right office to investigate or look into these things, uh, because it, again, they did not have uh, Title Fifty authority, which means they did not have the ability to, you know, they didn't have the access to CIA, NSA, and NRO programs. Which, mm. you know, that's a huge chunk of of, uh, 
what this stuff is it, it, are all these classified programs these these secret space programs as they're called so um you know i as far as being able to dig into those and get answers uh i think this is this is uh we're only at the beginning stage of that and the, the government so far of course they're going to obfuscate of course they're going to say yeah we're investigating ourselves and doing everything we can um but at the end of the day uh you know we need to um have oversight into these era these private corporations these private entities and um and know what's going on in our national lab labs which are all managed by one quasi-governmental organization which is unfoyable untouchable by foia as i mentioned the battelle memorial institute so um Again, all that stuff never talked about by a lot of these people that get the most mainstream attention on UFOs. They're always, you know, showing off UFO videos and 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 distracting people and saying, you know, this is where the secrets are. And and it's there's never a discussion about the technology. If there is, it's Bob Lazar and Element 115. And uh this base out in Papoose Lake, uh that supposedly they've got nine hangars out there and uh, full of, you know, nine flying saucers that we recovered from the government. And, and uh, you know, from my research into all that stuff, it's not the real programs. There's all these other real programs going on in all these other locations. Um, and, you know, there's no oversight into any of that stuff and, and really no discussion or mention of it in the mainstream, which is uh, is, is definitely concerning. Um, about Bob Lazar, I mean, when we watched that, when we watched that that short video, I just put the the stream live back on on YouTube and a few other places because we're having so many problems. But uh, so this is going to be a little fragmented. I will upload the entire episode. I'll I'll re-premiere this entire episode over the weekend again, um, so people can enjoy the whole thing. But um, the uh, well, we just watched that two minute video from about from Lockheed Martin that. It doesn't matter how much I know about the subject. I know people like you. I can go to people like you and get, you know, the the, the 10 miles deep analysis of things. But I, what I do know is that the fact that this two-minute clip is circulating on Twitter, we're, they're, they're probably 150 years ahead of what they're showing us in that little clip. So, I mean, I, I don't think that we're being a, given a glimpse into anything uh, too special in the 30,000-foot view. It's special to us because we don't see anything. But... When I see that clip, I do think about people like Bob Lazar, who I know you don't uh, really, uh, you know, give him a lot of credence. And I want to give you some time to talk about that if you have some time to give. He had described what he was just witnessing back in, like, well, what he had talked about it in 1989. It wasn't pretty much, it came down to he was part of a team reverse engineering something that was of non-human origin. That was the real crux of it. It was non-human origin. That was the real hook. So taking Lazar out of the story, and you can comment on, on him whatever you want. We can do a whole night on Lazar and UFO gatekeepers if you want. Do you think that this is legitimately developed technology that was just kept quiet for generations, or is there an off-world origin to anything that we're seeing in the skies right now? Let's see, you say that 120 years, I'd say 10 to 20 years is what they where they're at in the secret programs versus what they give us and what we get out, you know, in the public domain. Um, we should probably be 100 years more advanced than we are if we didn't have an 80 year cover up of this technology and of this, um, the, these, these materials and these ideas. 
Um, I feel that a lot of this stuff went into a black box at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base um, in the 40s. Um, I think there were maybe other earlier um, crash retrievals in the in the 20s and 30s. Of course, um, you know we we had you know it, it's definitely plausible that that these these programs do exist somewhere. Uh, the research that I've done into Bob Lazar has not been um, provided any positive leads into any of that stuff. Unfortunately, um, a lot of dead ends, um, but. With regards to some of the things that he talked about or mentioned, yeah, these are things that he probably heard about at Los Alamos, which he we can prove that he spent a lot of time out at Los Alamos. Um, you know, one of our main national labs. This is, this is the where they created the atomic bomb under the Manhattan Project. You know, where four hundred thousand people worked on. Uh, that project in complete secrecy. So that it just shows you their ability to uh, control and keep secrets uh, does exist. Uh, so, um, and of course, everyone that's ever come out of this and talked about it has claimed, you know, this is classified points higher than the Manhattan Project uh, and that the president doesn't even have the clearance to have access to this, this technology and this stuff. Um, which again, you know, that time for that secrecy needs to end. If that does exist, uh, we're getting a you know this runaround and massive distraction uh, in the in the mainstream media as usual, and in uh, and in Congress. Um, and I would just you know you know look look into all the programs that of where some some of these technologies came from. You know, the people that have made these big discoveries. Um, are sometimes connected with, you know, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or the Patel Memorial Institute uh, or, you know, these 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 secret government groups. Um, this secret college, uh, for example, that existed in, in the 1950s um, with a, a bunch of professor, physics professors from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, um, which ran, ran a lot of this stuff. So we, you know, I've done my best to dig into this and and reveal the details of it there's been a couple documentaries that have been produced uh you know uh, going into into detail about this one one uh, by uh Kurt Jamungle of theories of everything he put out a documentary on the whole secret history of anti-gravity research in the 50s and the secret college and stuff uh based on um in part on some of my research so we've tried to you know detail as much of this as this as possible uh but there's still so many you know question marks and and um programs that were just completely destroyed and covered up um that we have no way to really dig into the and, and know anything about this stuff without a, a you know a real thorough oversight committee and panel with the subpoena power and and uh and investigative powers but that doesn't seem like it's likely to happen as long as we have you know ufo disinformation agents you know in here kind of controlling the narrative and getting people to um look under the wrong stones so um yeah, yeah that, that's been extremely frustrating that you know these people have gotten massive platforms to spread you know disinformation and leave out important details um which could lead to more fruitful avenues of research. You know, a lot of this stuff has been 
thoroughly researched by people like myself and others over the years, and and we haven't found, um, you know, sufficient evidence to, you know, warrant a, a congressional inquiry into any of this stuff. You know, I don't I don't think we'd we'd have a, you know. Senator Harry Reid went and went out to the S4 to go out and look uh, for that base out in the desert where they supposedly reverse engineering craft, according to Bob Lazar, and he never found it. Um, you know, he never found, you know, a lot of this stuff just uh, turned up dead ends and, and red, red herrings. Um, well, it, it should it should comfort you that John Podesta is a very big fan of UFO disclosure, too. So uh, and that's. Those are you want to talk about people who usually pop up in very disturbing ways. Uh, seeing him showing up at the uh, at the end of the the, the scroll of of uh, Stephen Greer's documentaries, um, I know that he's he's actually been involved with some of the stuff that Corbell's done too. No, John Podesta and, and the UFO stuff. He he and the Clintons pop up all over the place when it comes to mainstream UFO disclosure shit. Yeah, that's a whole nother wrap. And then all the WikiLeaks article, um, the, all the WikiLeaks emails between Tom DeLong and John Podesta have been, you know, taken down for some weird reason. That was, the, you know, the Rolling Stone did an article on, about the, that connection that, um, you know, Tom DeLong had reached out to Podesta, you know, a year or two before the whole TTSA thing, basically, you know, inquiring, inquiring about you know, being involved in all that. And then, of course, they set Tom up with those government insiders and that whole TTSA thing, um, a whole bunch of CIA people and uh, count, former counterintelligence people that have, you know, since caused a lot of ruckus and, and uh, disruption in the UFO community. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, they, they've gone after a lot of the more legit researchers and and pushed a, a, a UFO as a, their aliens agenda and, and really pushed people away from, you know, trying to dig under the stones that I've been pointing to and telling people, hey, you know, you need to look into Patel, you need to look into Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, you need to look into um these scientists that are connected to right state that that uh are going to jail for classified you know research uh pro program bringing this guy brought a couple documents home uh from work with him one day and next thing you know he's got air force osi um tearing apart his house and, and they're telling the local media that they're that he, he's a he's a weed grower and that, that they're looking for weed plants in his house um why <laughs> why yeah. they send the air force osi and not the dea um uh Caused a lot of, uh, you know, are you sure? With a lot of people, um, including myself, um, and, and you know, I covered that story, it's, and I got maybe like four thousand views. Like that should have been like huge news in, in the in ufology circles. That should have been everywhere. Um, that that guy got arrested. You know, I, his name was Isaac Vincent Kemp, and and you know, I covered that story a couple of years ago, and it, and it went nowhere. Um, uh, yeah, it's the first that, time I hear. It's the first time I'm hearing of it. Yeah, this dude did a year in jail, and he he wrote his PhD thesis on terahertz wave technologies, which is court. That's what Tom DeLonge was on Joe Rogan talking about all this terahertz wave stuff, and all the all, all the research that they're doing in, into terahertz technologies, and that kind of confirmed, you know, some of the stuff that that he was saying. You know, when this guy gets arrested and and does a year in federal prison for you know bringing home just documents. Uh, related to some research he was doing into terahertz wave stuff at Wright State, 
and for the ultra fast photonics lab there. So, um, you know, I was really shocked that, you know, that was a, a legit connection. And, uh, we, you know, I found it at just, uh, it, it's one of those things I, I usually do like once a week or every morning, I try to search for any news that's related to Wright state, Wright Patterson area 51. Um, some of these universities that I watch that I know classified research goes on at, um, you know, I, I try to look for updates because very often you'll get a press release, you know, they'll talk about something and then, and then a week later it will disappear and go and go black. You know, that the news articles will disappear and nobody will talk about it again. So you have to like catch it the week that it comes out um, before they can, they can censor it. And um, you know, they've done that with, with that story. Uh, I was, I was just amazed that, you know, that that went nowhere and nobody picked it up. No other news organizations were interested in it or pursued it. And uh, you know um, that kind of stuff really, uh, you know, draws questions in my mind oh, yeah. about, you know, when you find stuff like that and it's like, wow, this is, you know, legit scientists and technical info and that's being ignored. And, you know, people are being shown jellyfish UFOs and, and, and uh, in the middle yeah. East and the je jellyfish UFOs in the middle East, no, no less. And, uh, and, and, you know, eight, eight foot tall, uh, a Nephilim running around in Miami at malls, you know, beating people up with, st yeah, th there's a, there's definitely a lot of that going on out there. And, um, Man, like I said, hey, we weren't going to get it all in one hour anyway, and we actually bled over an hour. So I guess my uh, my my last thing to you would be to, for tonight, because I already have tons of notes that would constitute a second episode. Where can people find your work? Do you go live um, at a certain at a set time and nights? Set nights. Uh, where can we uh, put your notifications on? What I have your URL in the description of the episode. But what is your broadcast schedule if you have one at all? You know, I have a difficulty keeping on a on a set schedule, um, but I'm just have to subscribe and and uh, wait for the notifications. I try to give uh, a heads up, but yeah, Alien Scientist on YouTube is my my YouTube channel, and um, you know, again, a lot of a lot of we do is long form because I I'll I'll just do research for a week. And I'll get like a million tabs open with all this stuff. And I just, it's just easier for me to go, go live and unload all that information in a one or two hour period than it is for me to, I, I don't, I, I would need a whole team of people to like, you know, make edited videos on all this stuff and, and really get into it. Oh yeah. No, um, we, we all need those teams. I wish I had a team. I wish I had, uh, you know, some video producers and editors and stuff. Um, we're currently in talks with a, a TV show that they're going to do uh, called Anti-Gravity Garage um, based on, you know, the, the kind of garage tinkerers that we, we have um, in the group who, who try to do anti-gravity experiments and nice. build this stuff in the, in the lab. Uh, so we finally gotten a major network that's interested in maybe doing a show on that kind of like a Mythbusters for anti-gravity um, type deal. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Um, at least we'll we'll check it out and see if uh, they they pitch it and, and it goes anywhere. Um, but you know, as far as uh, yeah, I should I should get on a more set schedule with like a weekly a weekly show or something. But I usually I usually try to do like midweek, you know, 
And then, of course, on Saturdays, we do the APEC conference, you know, twice a, twice a month. Well, you're very active on Twitter. So anybody that finds you there, they're, 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 there's plenty to keep up with there. Uh, you're pretty interactive. You always have uh, relevant commentary. And I, I think that that in itself is good. And if you ever do go live, you share the links there as well. Uh, do you have time for one more quick bonus question? You can just give us a, a quick answer on this if there is one. Sure, man. Shoot. Go ahead. Have you paid any attention to Ashton Forbes' investigation into Malaysian Flight 370 and uh, that contested satellite footage of it vanishing after encountering these swirling orbs? If so, uh, what is your what are your 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 thoughts? Yeah, I had Ashton on my podcast. Um, people want to go check that out. It was, I was one of the first people to have him on. I try, I you know, I try to keep a, abreast of these things when they as they come come about, you know. And I saw that one. I've always been interested in in that whole MH three seventy case because of those twenty freescale semiconductor scientists that were on board. I just thought that's just that's just weird to have that many scientists on one plane. Um, you wouldn't do that in a company, uh, put your best, all your best scientists on, on one plane. Cause if anything happens to the plane, then, then all your scientists are gone. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that there's more to that. A lot of those patents that I, I found and, and, uh, was talking about on that broadcast and, and, uh, have since like disappeared and stuff. So I thought that that's really weird. Um, the Espers thing too, the the space based infrared satellite system, that is incredible because that just means that this plane couldn't have disappeared because we have a surveillance system that watches like all this stuff, and as soon as it went missing or off course, they have all these satellite systems that can go and find that plane and, and track it in real time. Um, I thought that that's amazing stuff, and um, you know, it's definitely curious how. You know, you have people that pick up all this uh, these other UFO uh, videos and promote them. Like Corbell didn't touch that video. He's he's promoted all these other UFO videos that have led nowhere, but he purposely didn't touch the MH370 video or do anything with that. Um, when that's the only video that I've seen in you know in recent times that actually has you know actionable intelligence, where you know nobody you can, nobody touched it. That's the crazy thing. Nobody touched it. The only, like, I think the, the biggest it got, it had a lot of great people uh, interview interview Ashton and uh, and ask questions and give him a platform. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, I, he was totally grassroots. I mean, he was like, yeah. He, they didn't astroturf that at all. And normally with things that are fake, that they'll astroturf it and and prevent pretend like there's this big organic, you know, you know, all these military witnesses and stuff that say they're oh, they're gonna come forward soon and then reveal this. Like I'm gonna have more witnesses coming forward and they never they never appear and they never show up. Um and we didn't see that happen with with that that case at all, which is just uh it's it's super curious. And I, I say that that uh, is telling in and of itself, even though you know I've problems i had problems with the you know there's so much cgi and so much you know ability to fake videos like that this day and age with technology that you know i i had a lot of questions and skepticism towards the videos and with ashton um when i had him on my podcast as, as if you go and watch that so again you know i understand the skepticism with all that you know and then what happened with him on julian dory and uh, and also danny jones uh concrete podcast where he had those uh those 
CGI expert guys from uh, the studio there, uh, creative, I think it was creative studios or something. Um, and, and then Tim, when, when Tim pool said that he could recreate that video, I know, I know he can, re he can re recreate it in an hour. And, uh, apparently he can, uh, and, and that, that's the, that was one of the, the bigger curious things about the whole situation was that this was back in 2014 and this video was uploaded within, within days. Or, 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 or something, it, it was an, an incredible period of yeah. time. It was, it's, it's up there in the archives. You know, you can go and look up that video was, was uploaded like two days after the MH370 case back in 2014, which means they would have been, they would have had to create all that, put it together with all that data and all that information in two days. And that's just amazing. You know, um, I think there's, I don't know. I, I, I think that that's, uh, it's a, it's a certainly a curious story and I'm, I'm shocked that that never made it in front of Congress. That arrow didn't touch that case. Yeah. You know, the arrow wasted all their time, you know, investigating everything that Jeremy Corbell, um, put out there and, and threw at them. They went and, and wasted the public's time. It's almost like it, it was done on purpose, uh, that, you know, Corbell was, you know, this disinformation agent, handing them crap that they can just slam dunk, um, slam debunk. And, uh, you know, it's like a straw man argument where they, they, you know, Corbell builds these straw men for UFOlogy. And then, you know, the government comes in and, and just beats the crap out of these straw men so that they can declare victory over all of UFOs and all UFO videos and all UFO stuff. Um, it's, that's sort of the tactic I see um, happening. That's a propaganda or disinfo tactic that's used, uh, very frequently is, is the straw man technique. Um, and, you know, so it, it definitely surprised me that they, that arrow has just ignored that, that they haven't done in the Congress, you know, and all these people that are wasting their time on, uh, proven liars. You know, I mean, how many chances does Jeremy Corbell get to just keep crying wolf and keeps, you know, saying that I have this, I have, you know, this is the next big thing. This is, and he gets overhypes everything and, and it all, it all just gets debunked. And yet, and yet they keep giving him more chances and keep saying that, you know, this guy's, this guy's the real deal. And, and, and he's shoved down all of our throats on these, these mainstream platforms as like the, the champion of UFOlogy. And meanwhile, they ignore all the these other champion UFO cases um, and don't touch them. It's it just seems very. I think it's all disinformation. Yeah, I think it's all designed. Yeah, well, that's that's the one thing. It has broken a lot of people a lot of people's trust in in everything. And uh, what was a very exciting topic in like the late '90s or so, it's just become so 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 tiring only because of the hamster wheel of, you know, like you said, the, the, the very manufactured feeling drama attached to it all. But, but that, that was it. I, I, uh, that the MH370X thing with Ashton really, really piqued my interest there, especially because of the timelines, a, the plane is still missing. Nobody knows B the, the, the video was up before you can even, you know, within that, that 48 hour period there, there was still a really legitimate chance that if there was an actual crash, which obviously there wasn't because no, there was nothing anywhere, no debris field uh, in, in the size of an ocean that big, you, you know, it, it's not unheard of to need three, four days to finding this thing. So the fact that uh, the fact that you were still within that, that window of time where an actual 
rescue effort or search and recovery effort uh, would have needed to be able to find this one little plane in a vast ocean out there. It, it's really interesting that somebody would jump to that conclusion quickly because you can, at that point it's it's almost like a filing a missing person uh, missing persons case. You have to wait at least forty eight hours until you can say that person is officially missing. Very interesting to say, oh, well, a plane went down, we lost it. And somebody just immediately starts throwing that together. So I thought that was uh, that's, a, that's a lot of very interesting and very specific effort put together very quickly. So anyway, um, alien scientist, Jeremy, thank you for being on with us. Your URL is in the description. I hope you get a lot of new subscribers and people who uh, just mark it down to check up on you every once in a while and forget about the the notifications and, um, and, and all that other stuff, because if you leave it to YouTube to notify you when something good, good happens, you'll never get it. So I hope everybody just keeps up with you manually override it all. And, uh, and thanks for being on. We'll do this again soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. It's been too long. Let's not go 10 years again to the next one. Never. No, 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 no. The, 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 <laughs> the world has changed now. And we, you and I had a lot of, we had different paths to go down and I had to, I had to build all this up. So it just makes sense that we would meet up now and, and, uh, and we'll keep this going. Great to reconnect, Frank. All right, you brother. You too. Have a good one. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy Reese. We have him here. We have him here and he'll be back. He will be back. Um, all right, so we had a lot of um, connection issues tonight. Thankfully, I do all of my local recording on my computer. So um, this will be easy for me to get out there. Uh, I Once we realized that the, the connection issues, we had a lot of buffering on Rumble too. We had buffering on, on Rumble was, uh, was treating me bad. And we had some issues over there on um, on pill.net as well. So once I saw that they didn't really clean up uh, across the board, I brought YouTube back into the mix and DLive. Just for the hell of it. Because I knew I would be able to flip it on and it would go live again. But uh, I have the whole recording over here. I will do this as a re-premiere over the weekend. and um, And that's what we have. So in the meantime... I'm just going to get into some super chats and see what you guys and gals think about things. Uh, a lot, a lot of stuff. And I know we could have kept going and you know why I liked it because we weren't, we weren't jumping into the Bible. We weren't talking about angels and demons versus grays and blue avians and, and Nordics and all that stuff. We were talking about something that we have to just let's, let's, let's all build something very common here. There is something a technological reality we don't even have to get into origin at this point there is something beyond space age that is a physical reality that is occupying very tightly controlled space that there is a pr um a pr battle over who gets to name it who gets to address it and who gets to make jokes about it who gets to be serious about it, depending on what's going on, a la Chinese balloons, where all of a sudden UAP became UFO again. That is a physical reality, that there are things in the sky that we don't know about that are obviously off book that can do things that we would otherwise have thought would be in defiance of physics. And, um, 
And from a scientific standpoint, there are people out there who actually want to know more about that. And, you know, the, the, like people like Jeremy will keep the their minds open for reverse technology, gifts, things that were crashed here, whatever the hell it is. It, it could be non-human. It could be something. You know, there are many people who who talk about uh, the how the basis of the German programs in the 1930s and 40s was really like downloaded technology, downloaded templates and, and diagnostics that came from meditations from the Vril, you know? So like, where is the, where is it coming from? Was this technology stumbled upon and just gradually and secretively um, uh, developed over the course of a hundred years? Or did we get a head start somehow? whether it be from another dimension or another galaxy or whatever fits your worldview. That's the real, real question. I really appreciate Jeremy's work because it stays tightly focused with an open mind to all secondary questions about the issue. It stays tightly focused on the fact that there is very advanced unknown technology that is just flittering about and, uh, and there are a lot of people out there making it harder and harder to ask those questions and to crack open those cans. So um, very, uh, very interesting. I had, had a great time tonight. Good time reconnecting, too. Thanks again, Jay Britz. Thank you, thanks again, Adam. Let's get into those super chats, the gold pills on, uh, on, uh, on Pilled. Let's see here. Witchy Poo sending a whole sleeve says, I was deprived of purchasing gold pills for two months. Well, well, you're back, Witchy. And Matt 1776, I'm sure, is very happy about that. Salty Steve says, Great show. Thank you. Matt 76 says, I'm back. There he is. Witchy Poo says, I thought you gave up, Matt. Amethyst Cat, thank you. And Alan Wrench says, Please have Jeremy back on. That this was interesting, and his time was shortened a great deal. Well, his time wasn't necessarily shortened. Um, he came on at seven twenty-five, and he he t stayed on nearly until nine o'clock. Uh, th there was there were some technical issues that 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 kind of shortened it for the audience. But like I said, I will re premiere this in its entirety on the over the weekend on a Saturday night on YouTube. Uh, I will get this entire thing up on Rumble and all the other archive sites and things like that. And um, and that uh, that could all be worked out, no doubt about it. But also, Jeremy will be coming back. Absolutely, there's so much to talk about still. So much to talk about still. All right, uh, I think that is it. Anything on? No, we're good there. We're good there on Rockfin. We're good on quite frankly Superchat.com. Let me make sure that these are. All of the gold pills because sometimes just give me a moment Paulie 9363 just said did he say ignorance is bliss about flat earthers don't trust him <laughs> and seven people liked it <laughs> I gotta throw. I gotta. I listen. I gotta. I gotta bring you people into it somehow, you know. If I'm talking to someone like Jeremy about this stuff, uh, and, and knowing knowing that we have a uh, small contingent of flat earthers out there, I want to. I, I don't want you guys to feel like you're on the outside looking into the conversation because you don't believe in asteroids or uh, space or anything like that. I I can't. 
I gotta, I gotta keep you in. Like Frank still acknowledges we're out here. I ha I have to do something. <laughs> Don't trust Jeremy. <laughs> listen, listen. Uh, I hope you all have a great night, and thank you so much. And because of all of the the connection issues, I had some things that I was going to throw up there uh, after for after hours, but I think I'm just gonna keep them for tomorrow night. I'm going to keep it for tomorrow night instead for after hours. So tonight, you guys can go enjoy your your night, whatever. I, I had uh, Prophetic's new mind control AI, Shocks Everyone, Morpheus 1. I had that. I had uh, the blue collar Titanic. Uh, Judge Napolitano recently had Brian McClanahan on about the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln and Nikki Haley. That's great. I love Brian McClanahan. I would love to have him back on the show. Um, there's uh, There's much more that I'm looking to get on on to enjoy with you all either after hours over the weekend but uh still gonna be a good show tomorrow night it's gonna be a good show friday night i have we're gonna be doing a little bit of more on fixed and rigged sporting events i have a great guest that's coming on in the first half on sat on friday night to do about 20 to 25 minutes with me about the work that he has compiled and the work that he has done on definitively coming to terms with the fact that, as he says, uh, pro sports, especially football, is is scripted like like the bold and the beautiful. Daytime soap operas are scripted. So I got a lot of questions, and uh, it'll be a nice little primer as we go off into Super Bowl weekend, and I hope you guys all enjoy it. Anyway, I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, 7 o'clock, same place, quite frankly, TV and all the rest. That's that. Have a good, good evening. That's not what I wanted to do. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters. Starting with all of our wonderful gold pillars who are about to have the scratching trapped on them. Thank you so much to Jay Brits and Adam. Thank you to everybody. It'll be a good one tomorrow, and I can't wait to see you all here. Thank you for the support, as always. sent me to a psychiatrist all morning. I took like a million tests. A psychiatrist? Yeah, you know, because I got suspended and everything. They sent you to a psychiatrist? Yeah. But that's crazy. That's all nonsense. That's nothing but a, a racket for the Jews.